podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome, lovely listener, to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode 277, and I'm Trev Denny, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. And in a paired-back jazz freestyle comeback episode, I'm joined, as ever I am, by Carl Kopak and Carl Kopak only. And in the background, we have Guy Drinkle producing. Carl, how have you been, my friend? You said it's 20-something days since our last chat together on the show. 25 days since we last recorded the podcast. I think I've only done 30 podcasts in the immediate uh, since then. Yes, um, but, slack, uh, but, but together, together, no, we, we have yet to cross swords over Skype. That's, what that's, qu- that's qu- quite an unusual thing for us. I mean, I think two, three weeks is absolutely the outside it's ever been yeah. uh, in terms of a gap. We've been pretty decent like that. We started to feel guilty after three weeks of summer and, 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 and get stuck back in again. But, you know, various things going on. And we still have uh, man down, still have uh, Cam, um, who's, who's, you know, still not just yet, but able to rejoin us just yet. But we will be continuing in the vein that we had done um, with some lovely special guests. Really enjoyed having um, the lads on so far. It's it's been great. And I think we'll try and shake it up again this week coming. We hopefully have uh, yet another um, lovely chap joining us. Um, John Rain from um, Smirchpot has said that he will be happy to do the show with us. So that's coming up. If not next week, then the week after. And so I have things questions to look for. for him. I have questions for him. No doubt you do. No doubt yeah, you do. And I can I can see that episode being light on the football content. Um, <laughs> Someone might say know, the word football. Someone might say the word. Well, yes, that's about as much as you get. If I know John, there'll be a lot of talk. A lot of talk about all things kit as well he is uh, he he does he does like a, a a kit chat so that should be good as well um anyway how have things been over those 25 days since uh, you and i spoke uh, on a show because obviously we keep in touch on a regular basis on, on on whatsapp and all that kind of thing so i do know what's going on but just fill the folks in what have you been up to you said you've been doing a lot of podcasts uh what what kind of things are we talking about and um have you been occupying the callback time i was just thinking have we done a show since I hosted you on my show? No, we have not. Ah. No, no, we have not, actually. That's a good point. We haven't. Uh, that's a great point, actually. We should we should do a little bit of a talk about that, actually. Uh, because I don't know, I don't know how immediately afterwards, I don't know how you felt, but I just wanted to do another hour. Yeah. Um, I, I was enjoying the hell out of the chat and it's it's a nice it's a nice format you have there where John's in the background not really contributing and yet contributing. Oh he um, is. Oh John is contributing, know. believe me. Well <laughs> I, I I mean verbally. Uh, yeah. he's always he's always popping ideas in there. He, he's he's basically like your um your guy drinkle um guy that you've got going on there for for well, with slightly better film tastes. <laughs> yeah. debatable debatable but, John John uh, seen some films before 1980 yeah he has to be well, 1990 it's 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 been uh, it it was it was a really really enjoyable uh, show I have to say I enjoyed I should, I should explain what we're talking about so basically I run a podcast called Sherlock from Adler to Amberley and uh, which I'm 
uh, going through all 56 of the Arthur Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes short stories in order. And Trev was on the show which uh, examined the story, The Noble Bachelor. And we did about an hour and 10 or something like that on it. And John, John Reese is um, my producer for that show. But John, John, re- I, know, I know my Sherlock, John really knows his Sherlock. So every now and then, John will just nip in. But if one of us was like, didn't he say something about um, milk at this point? And John will just come in with the quote immediately there and then. So it's, it is mano a mano. But um, John, John is basically, as I, I call the one that show, he's basically Wikipedia. He's Sherlockpedia sitting behind me. And yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm coming up with the actual stuff, which I should really know. Um, yeah, well, to be fair to you, what you're doing is you are doing it yourself from um, a, a, a deep knowledge as well and a sort of familiarity, which I think led you to be, uh, you know, quite almost complacent about the fact that you know this stuff, you know this story. Uh, whereas I was on edge being sort of uh, a little bit out of my element, not in not in terms of literature where, where I, I, I swim regularly, but just in terms of knowing the obsessive nature of Sherlock fans, I didn't want to come across as a dope. So I was looking at angles left, right and center. And I, I think at one stage, I think at one stage I tried to drive the conversation much to your irritation. I've, I've, got, I've got to tell you this story. This is really funny. There's about two thirds into the pod and um, I paused and went, Trev is now hosting this show um, just because, <laughs> you know, just because you're not, you're not used to being in the other chair. So it's no, um, no. and the very first show I did, which was Scandal of Bohemia, was with Neil Atkinson on the you know, the, the main sort of host of most of the shows on the Anfield Rap, and um, Neil's a big, big Sherlock fan because <laughs> it's the first show I'd ever, literally ever presented ever. Um, I honestly, I swear to God, I thought he was wrapping the show up at one point. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I thought he was going to thank me for coming on, honestly. Yeah. Just yeah, because, yeah, yeah. I mean, not because, like, you know, he, did, he thought it was a bad show or anything like that. That's because I think, I think that's just his DNA. Like, it just things were twitching. It was a muscle twitch he had. And now we've done 55 minutes, and now this is where I finished the show. And I'd like to thank Carl. For, oh, no, hang on. I know I know I know believe me I was fighting similar impulses myself and you know it's it's a lovely formula and I heartily recommend people go and listen to it and especially if you enjoy the crack between myself and Carl it was just like an extended version of the stuff that we do here um it really was that lovely sort of the familiarity is great because it just lets you it lets you bypass certain um I don't know awkwardnesses or politenesses that you feel you have to have in other conversations uh and we have a kind of a shorthand so it's a good one to start with um and to be honest as well that's a nice formula you've got so basically what happens is there's the intro and then carl does a summary of the of the story um highlighting pressing details and then we get straight into the chat about it so it's not dissimilar in many ways from the formula of the great stories Obviously, Neil Poole has done the lion's share of these with me. Occasionally, I've had to do one on my own um, because of scheduling issues or whatever, or just because I felt like it would be nice to have a story out at a certain time, be it Christmas or at the start of the lockdown. I I felt a little bit of a burden uh, incumbent upon me to sort of uh, help lift people's spirits, even if it was by scaring the absolute piss out of them with a, a Stephen King story or something. Um, so a few of them I've done alone, but the idea is for season two, any gaps that would be um, in the past would have been story only um, will be with a special guest uh, in, instead of Neil, if Neil can't make it. So Carl will be 
uh, filling one of those spots, I'm delighted to say, and I'll be popping them a few stories in the next week, actually, to um, pick from. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing that. And uh, no doubt, Carl, you'll, you'll bring your A game. We'll enjoy that one as well. It's, it is lovely to do these crossover things, and uh, both projects are kind of special to us. Yeah, they're, they're nice. It's just because I, I think of all the shows, um, the show we do, well, usually with Cam, is um, the thing is, we always say, Trev, that, you know, we, we we end up doing half an hour football, half an hour, what's your favourite biscuit? But I've been playing them back a lot recently. And we do far more football than we think we do. Always. <laughs> yeah. Always, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm usually waiting to, to listen to what's, what's uh, Cam's favourite choice of dressing gown. And then I have to wait till the next week. And uh, as I always say, we never get round to Morgan Freeman and the Bees. Never. Never. I just keep teasing it and it never yeah. happens. Uh, so, so much so that I mentioned it on my show last time we recorded. I do, I do, and I enjoy that immensely. Uh, listening back, I did. Uh, let's 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 do that. Let's lean into the football a bit, seeing as we're here. Um, and it, the reason we we were going to go Friday night, and the reason we didn't go Friday night is because obviously the Reds are playing on Saturday, and um, quite a comeback, quite a start to the new season. Um, I, I'm not sure where you are. I I, I know how you generally are because we've been doing this for a few years. I think like me, when summer comes, you like the break from the season, you like the break yeah. from the intensity of it, and uh, I think like me as well, uh, preseason friendlies are something that you give scant regard to. Uh, I know the scantness of my regard uh, was was summed up by the fact that I didn't see any of them. Uh, and it was almost in a begrudging fashion that I was looking forward towards the week the season started. And then something happened on Thursday and Friday where I saw a couple of documentaries, one about Marcelo Bielsa, another one I watched finally that uh, 30-year BBC documentary. And I thought, oh, I'm bang up for this again. What's wrong? I didn't think I would be, but I am. And then yesterday it was uh, straight back into footed. I, I enjoyed the game, Carl. I'll be honest. I love the idea of Leeds back in, at the top, and I love the idea of this guy being in charge of them. Yeah, I, 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 there's something quite nice about him, I think. I like sort of slightly odd, mad people, but I don't like managers who are mavericks because they want to be seen as mavericks and Ian Holloway, you know, that sort of thing. Good for business to a certain degree, but, you know, you're never going to be that much entertained by him because, you know, it's partially an act. Whereas Bielsa is a football obsessive and uh, it's, it's just nice to sort of see him do something different with the side. I made up he went, for some reason, I'm, I'm really, really pleased he went to Leeds in the first place. I'm glad he stuck with them as well. And it's good to see him, um, you know, <laughs> sitting in, it looked like he was sat in a deck chair on the side of the pitch. And, you did. Know, and he, he was he was either really, really sort of, you know, getting up in everyone's face uh, but when he scored, he just sat down and just looked placid, like he just hadn't realised what was going on. You know, the documentary that I watched about him reminded me, I think I said this on Raw yesterday, of what it is I like about the fella. And it is because, you know, just from a personal uh, point of view, there are so many things that, you know, uh, I, in my life have happened that, you know, another step and life changes completely and possibly in a way that you would have thought might have been magnificent. Like there was a real opportunity at one stage uh, for me to go into acting and, and and maybe maybe have been okay and been quite safe in it, which is really rare in that profession. Lots of other things in private life and stuff like that where, you know, you take this step or you take that step. I'm not describing the plot of sliding doors before you start getting worried, Carl. But what I'm saying is, 
basically, I've often thought of myself as a bit of a nerdy man. And Mar- Marcelo Bielsa really is. You know, he's this guy, he, he's like, he starts off with this outrageous early success with Newell's Old Boys. And then everything's like, you know, he builds up a team. He stays with them for a couple of years. There's great enthusiasm and it never quite pays off in terms yeah. of successes. I think there was that uh, victory in the uh, in the, the, the Olympics. But I, I would imagine that achievement uh, with Leeds is second, if not superior, to his Newell's old boy stuff. He's really on a high, you know. Yeah. The, his stock is high. People rate him highly. I think all that stuff with Frank Lampard last year, I loved all that. I think it's really added to his cachet as well. Yeah. Uh, secretly, despite all the stiff upper look upper lip shit and all that you know it's not the british way that you hear frank lampard coming out with oh the, the, um, the british way is jim white come on can we stop that yeah well, well yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 but 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 old lamps loves to lean into the bulldog crap yeah. as well yeah and and uh, you know uh, it, it, the look of disdain on his face when he's talking about the spying stuff oh man i was lapping that up and i uh, you know then you know Bielsa just owns it and comes out and says, yeah, well, here we are and here's what I learned, you know. I love this. I love this uh, this uh, approach. Yeah, that, I mean, that there's rule breaking and law breaking and stuff like that, but I, he likes to paint those lines very thinly, doesn't he, about what he can and can't do. So if he nips across the other side, you're not going to know too well. I'm all for that, to be honest. I, I loved all that stuff about the spy stuff because I just thought, no one would do that. I mean, people were outraged. I wasn't. I thought it was great. And if someone did it to us, I wouldn't mind that much because, I mean, it's not as if it's going to be a shock anyway. So Imagine the idea of Bielsa standing on one of those purple bins looking over the wall. Well, he'd, have, <laughs> he'd, have, he'd have a job these days. If you've seen Melbourne, God, there's like Coleman. Yeah. Can't get anywhere at all now. In fact, they've moved the front door just to confuse me, I think. Um, yeah, but I'm all for that because it's just like his defence is pretty much, well, no one said I can't do that. And, yeah. yeah, because it's not the dumb thing. Well, who said it's the dumb thing? Whose yeah. decision was yeah. that? You know, I really like that about him. And I what, do you make, I, what do you make of this English, the lack of English speaking? Um, again, I saw some, um, I, I'd imagine lads who, who are quite fond of a gammon steak chatting about the fact that, you know, um, ex-reporters and stuff, one lad called Mick, um, who uh, is obviously the Irish equivalent, and they seem to be quite affronted by the fact that he won't pitch up and give an interview in English. That's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> if he doesn't want to do that, then... It's absolutely fine. I've got a, it, this is a bit weird because I've, I've been on the other side of the press conference thing, but I hate it when they know, oh, yeah, he's got to come up and do that and do a press conference. And sometimes I think, well, if that was me and I don't want to do it, I won't do it. Or I'll just say, yes, no, it's, it's, it's rougher doing the old, you know, I'm going to concentrate on my job as working as coach for this team, you know, saying that when well, he said it 18 times in a press conference. Mm. And if he just thinks, okay, well, I'll, I'll just speak in my own language, then. <laughs> I did the press conference. Um, he doesn't have to play by everyone's rules, and I quite like that in a way. I really do. I mean, our manager swears on TV, national TV, pretty much three times a season. He does, yeah. Uh, and, and again, I've got no problem with that. He swears. Our manager swears. And I think I'd like to think that people are just sick of the whole Blazer and Chinos type stuff. Of um, yeah, well, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before, about him, and I'm not just picking on him because he's Hudson, but. The thing that Hudson does where they ask him, how did the game go? And he basically just tells you what happened in the game. You've seen him do that. He does this all the time. He says, well, obviously, um, we went a goal up. We thought we could hold on to that. But then they equalised and we thought we'd get a point. And then they scored and disappointed. And he's just basically yeah. just answered by saying, this is what happened in the game. 
Thanks, Roy. Thanks for joining us. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the great, the great thinker about the game is a synopsis merchant. That's quite, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite which, which, revealing. Which might be clever. I don't know. That might be just him just saying that. I don't want to talk, you know. But I'll just tell you what happens. We should do that. That'd, that'd be great if we did. So, what do you think about Liverpool's game, Carl? Well, I'm not sure who Jack the Ripper was, to be honest. I mean, no one really knows. There's lots of suspects. And I've answered <laughs> a question. It's not the answer you wanted. It's yeah. pretty far away from the theme we were talking about. But I have turned up. I have done my media for the day. <laughs> That's about it. Imagine how shit your article would be. <laughs> Do you know, like uh, the the things that people uh, have come to expect from a, a callback piece of writing uh, are not are not going to be fulfilled by a by a little synopsis of the game. Speaking of which, I mean, I was going to say, you know that reminds me of. Do you remember that Simpsons episode where? Um, Marge is in, in in court and she's been charged with. I think this is almost she's been charged with shoplifting. And um, <laughs> the yeah, uh, it probably isn't that one. But uh, but the lawyer says, "Tell me, tell me, Mrs. Simpson, who do you think is more attractive, Tom Cruise or Mel Gibson?" And when I was going, "What's he talking about here?" And he says, "I, Your Honor, I am so confident about my, my <laughs> about my uh, about my um, uh, what's the word?" Defendant's case that I can waste the court's time by rating the super hunks. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you should do that. <laughs> right, what do you think about today's game then? Well, I don't know. I, I quite like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It could work. Uh, what, what about what about the, uh, the the game itself? Like I said, lots to love, uh, lots to wince about. Um, you know, mainly, I think, uh, again, the, the 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 tenor of most of my comments was that I I can see the possession stat. Fair play. Well done, Leeds. You had more of the ball than us. And that's highly unusual. So, again, fair play. And it says an awful lot about the way that this man wants to play football. But I would also say that at one stage there were two shots, two goals. And they ended up with three shots on target three goals, five shots in total. Uh, I think that's the way the stats went. So uh, basically, we had a, a game uh, from our defensive point of view from the very early Kloppo period, which when they went well, we would win by the odd goal. This yeah. time, the odd goal in seven. And so it was. And then you look at the pattern on the opening day of the season under Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, and there has been one game. occasion. Yeah, not one occasion where we've uh, scored less than three goals. Yeah. There was a 4-3, there was a 3-3, a 4-1. Um, there was the, there have been lots. So in other words, the point is, this seems to be how we do it. There are a couple of things that I want to get your opinion on. Let's not like worry too much about uh, Virgil van Dijk's nonchalance and rustiness. But the oh, concept... Hang on, hang on, hang on. You're not getting off me, getting off me that way. That, well, what the, can what I just say, he, he was a disgrace for that second goal. I've got to say it. Um, because that just, oh, I think all that stems from, you know, the, the thing at Brighton at the end of last season where the ball comes over the top and he basically, he's being charged down and he looks over his shoulder and he basically heads it into an empty space and goes and collects it. As yeah. in, that's mine. I, he was doing that for the second goal and I thought, well, just clear your lines. There's no point in doing that. So I love you, Virgil van Dijk. Please don't think this is me being, you know, um, uh, being vicious for the sake of it or being trying to be controversial, but I was screaming at him for that. Just clear your lines. Don't do any fancy stuff like that. Yeah, the word, but, but, but he did score twice. So yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things. There's a couple of things. First of all, um, we know he has it in him to pull off that touch that he wanted to do and yeah. do it with 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 a plum and do it excellently. But obviously, there's a certain there was a certain sort of laxness about that that you know you could see. Uh, he just wasn't at it at all yesterday. No. Um, he, he just wasn't at his usual level. But, you know, so many of them weren't. And I suppose where I want to start is um, the idea of um, completely minute free going into it, starting Jordan and keeping them on for an hour. Uh, because I don't know what you thought, but after the initial period where he ran around, I think he had a shot on about 20 minutes or something like yeah. that. But he really, he really notably faded. Um, and for a guy who's so high energy, I thought it was almost cruel um, that they, they just didn't get the cleanliness of just the first half. Right, well done. You've got some running in your legs there now, and that's good. Yeah. It, it was a high enough risk strategy, wasn't it, giving him so much time? Yeah. Um, it, it's it's one of those things, though, where the medical team must have said, yeah, he's okay. He's okay. Let, run, run it out of him. We were talking before, uh, me, you and Guy, about, about Van Alden as well, who was the only midfielder to do 90 minutes. And you could think that can either go two ways. It's either, it's either saying, you know, look, he's staying, he's all happy and everything, or he's like saying, yeah, he's off and I'm going to run him into the ground while he's here. And and I think with Jordan, it was, he, he did okay. He wasn't up to scratch because none of, none of them were. There's, I think there's only about Solly had a good game yesterday, to be honest. Which sounds mad when we scored four goals, but um, it, it was a bit of a strange lineup. I was, I was a bit sort of I wasn't expecting that. Really, wasn't expecting Henderson to start. I mean, you, you think maybe you get ten minutes at the end or something like that, and you know he brought Fabinho on and Fabinho just shut the game up in the end. But choose, choosing not to start him is just really, really strange. Um, I think the only thing I can think of is he's thinking about Chelsea, and he's thinking I want you to have a good hour inside you before. You know, we get legged all over the place by Kovacic and you know, all the all the new lads they bought and stuff like that. So maybe he's thinking of it that way. I I think it's I think it's as simple as that as well. Now, like I say, I think that's high risk, but it's look, it it, it it's a very big compliment to Jordan and how essential Jurgen thinks he is to 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 the team. Um, that he's looking to have him uh, ready as quick as possible. Yeah. By giving him as many minutes as possible, because obviously he couldn't play in any of those preseason friendlies. Yeah. He ha- he's apparently trained really well, and I think that he's they're hoping that he's just gonna go full Jordan Henderson and his fitness will. Uh, uh, sort of help him recover and get to match pace a bit quicker. It's an interesting take. And you mentioned Mo Salah, who was the outstanding performer on the day. I have a real feeling about him this season. I think he's going to just smash the absolute ever-living shit out of every record. I really do. You could tell the frustration um, was building in him as the as the season came to a close. When he was asked, did you notice that by touchline monkey Jeff Shreves, he was asked about uh, you know the pressure of taking that penalty at the end. Mo's um, quietly egotistical reaction was... I've taken a penalty in the Champions League final, pal. You know <laughs> exactly. I love that. You know he's he is he is quietly massively egotistical. Oh, he's, yeah, hugely so. Sometimes it sometimes it can be a bit annoying. I've got to say, I mean, there's the whole him and Sadio thing at, at Burnley last year, where, where you know where the, the media are trying to say, oh yeah, they clearly hate each other. No, they don't. Um, Sadio is a bit. Sadio had a tap in, and he's a bit annoyed about it. And you now, fair enough. I could, I'd be the same. But um, there are times where it can be a bit annoying, like, no, just pass. 
don't beat him again and go around and put it in the top corner because that's not as easy as passing it across to Firmino or something like that and getting the actual goal. But yeah. yesterday he was just, I, I want to score everything. And he always he always scores on the opening days. He has for every single opening day since he's been here. But, I mean, no one's done three. And the fact that he's got three for the Golden Boot, I think he's trying to win the Golden Boot before the end of the month. <laughs> you really get that feeling he's from. He's going to text Harry Kane. He goes seventeen two. What are you going to yeah. do now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you just get the feeling uh, that that that's really, uh, you know, in a, in a good way. He just wants. And I, I said something yesterday, and uh, I had it said, and I thought, have I, have I gone a bit farther? But I don't think I have. I was saying, I think if he does go on and um, blitz records and maybe help us to yet another successful season, and certainly, you know, uh, light up uh, the, the the league like he did yesterday. I think he's bang in there when it comes to the chat about the greatest Premier League forwards then, because it will have been consistent for five seasons. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Do you know, like, I mean, he's then, he can people can chat about Thierry Henry and, and, and Shearer and people like that, and Mo Salah has to be right in there in those conversations. And it seems to really great with some people when you say that they're always looking for some reason to disparage him and i'm not talking about rival fans i'm even talking about our lot very reluctant to see the 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 obviousness of what's in front of them the guy's statistics his numbers are outrageous and i think it just occasionally he's frustrating because you know at any given moment he can do something just purely outrageous that nobody else in the field can do it stops being annoying when he scores doesn't it it does very quickly, yeah. <laughs> that does not have to give you some leeway when he's actually rattling them in. Yeah, I, I, there's a there's a similar example, um, an example of this recently. I did a, I did Jim's show. Uh, it was about two weeks ago, something like that. And um, he did, you know, the usual, you know, best best eleven. What's your best at pool eleven? And I didn't have any modern players in there. And he went, you, you wouldn't think you didn't think about Virgil Van Dijk. No, he hasn't been there long enough to you know get past um, Hanson and Lawrenson, who I, I had a centre back, and. It is a natural thing to say, yeah, but but these are the people I grew up with, so they mean more to me. Kevin Keegan still means a lot to me, still to this day, because yeah. he, he fired me when I was seven, eight years old, you know, something like that. And that's when you first get into the game and you, you do see people like gods. Now, as you know, me and Kevin Keegan are big mates now because we met for 30 seconds outside the ground. Of course, yeah. And, yeah, sorry, uh, yeah. Which, which naturally <laughs> makes us the greatest of friends. And, yeah. uh, and I, th- I think people are still quite, people like to hold on to that. More than anything else, and, 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 and Paul said this when during Mo Salah's first season. No one's got onto the fact that Mo Salah is, is tracking down Ian Rush's nineteen eighty four numbers at the moment. <laughs> he's, and he's, he hasn't finished a year yet, and he's trying to beat Ian Rush's nineteen eighty four season. I mean, yeah. that's nuts. That's absolutely insane. And it's supposed to be a harder league now, and, and that sort of thing. He's making a mockery of football numbers, and he's ours, and. The, when it's for him yesterday, I just thought, oh no, yeah, fair enough, two of them were penalties, but they were penalties, you know. You know, no, even even Jeffrey, even Martin Tyler couldn't argue with it. That they, they, we have penalties, and <laughs> just thinking, he's got three already. He's got three before Man City have kicked off. And, you know, that's a. He's. I think he's quite up for this season. Yeah, and I, I think. That, and I think it's because he didn't win it last year, and Vardy did, and Vardy got two today, didn't he? But. 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's any stopping him. I just don't think there's any stopping him this year. And, and hopefully that means t- titles come with it because uh, they have been of late. I, I'm looking ahead at what we've got because, you know, um, it's thick and fast now. Um, there's Sunday the 20th is our next Premier League outing um, against Chelsea at their place. Uh, uh, they're playing today, right? Uh, they play tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. Uh, we've got a Carling Cup game, which is yet to be announced. And then on the 28th, that's the Monday night football, we're playing Arsenal uh, at Anfield. It's, listen, what it does is it puts into serious sort of um, relief the importance of the victory yesterday because it was looking like we were going to cough up two points. Um on a couple of occasions uh, they equalized three times so maybe on three occasions um when we eventually do win the game and get over the line i think again this is something we you and i have spoken about this before it's that intangible of look teams who are going to win stuff just get the job done um it might necessarily be as pretty as you'd like and in this case we relied on on a on a on a penalty you mentioned earlier on the Virgil van Dijk had scored twice. I still cannot understand why that goal didn't nah, stand. I don't, I don't see it at all. Because um, Curtis Jones went into a challenge with somebody and that's all that happened. Um, and, so, you know, sometimes you just think that was such... A, I, I, again, an example, as I would say, would be the, the Origi goal against Barcelona where something just so weird happens that you think the ref's not going to allow it just because it was weird. Like, well, obviously I celebrated the Rigi's goal against Barcelona, but I was thinking at the same time, he's not going to give that just because it seems almost unfair. So when you see Virgil van Dijk take it down on his chest, keep it up and then volley it, you just think, someone thinks the whistle's gone or something. And I was one of them. And yeah. then he just thinks, oh, um, uh, oh, let's not give it because of Curtis fell over. Also, the bloke who Curtis was with fell over. And that looked like a perfect good. I mean, Virgil was furious with it, absolutely furious. I thought he was furious scoring yeah. the goal. You could yeah. see, you could see the the annoyance in him. And you know, I take that, I take that as a good sign. I take that as a fellow who has enough self awareness to know that um, he dropped the ball. Um, and 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 you know, we've seen that with Allison in the past. The mistake has led to a great run of form. So hopefully that that'll be what happens with him. It, there's a couple of things that we. Uh, first of all, before we move on, is there anything else from the game yesterday that you wanted to pay particular attention to, or anything you wanted to highlight? Uh, the only other thing I was going to say was I, I loved seeing Curtis coming on and looking absolutely at home in that team. Um, that that's a, a real bonus for me, and it's going to new, lead new on. number as well. Got a new squad. New number. And it's going to lead on to the topic I want to talk about very briefly next, which is the idea of any changes that we might make to the squad. But before we do that, and I want to tee that up with a little piece from Jurgen. Um, anything else from yesterday's outing that you wanted to mention, even you know, not necessarily on pitch related or anything at all? I, th- I think it was one of those games where you, you get mad games occasionally. The, the, the Liverpool Chelsea the end of last season when it was four, five three, you just get games which are slightly weird like that. I, what was nice for me is I was at that Watford 3-3 game and I was furious that we gave up a three, you know, we, we led and then they scored. And Because I heard that podcast we did afterwards and I've forgotten just how hang, angry I was that I they brought Gomez on and Gomez made a mistake and suddenly it was 3-3. Yeah. And yesterday when it went to 3-3, I thought, I'm still going to win. And that's the level of confidence and faith I have with this team now. I think, well, they, again, I, I keep saying all the time, the boys are going to work it out. They, I always knew we were going to win. 
and then you know he, he gives away the stupid penalty at the end. But it's the the level of playing at now. I think people might be a bit worried because it was such an open game, you know. And they they this this third goal was great. I've got to say that. So it was their first win actually. But um, they still had a lot to do yesterday. And they were really really good. But I don't think that's going to be the norm. And um, we've got some hard games, you know, Chelsea. Then we've got Arsenal, as you say. Then we've got Villa. Then we've got the Derby. And Everton are looking annoyingly good. Um, they've bought really well, I think. And I still think we're going to be a little bit more pragmatic than we were yesterday. I would have no problem with that uh, yeah, whatsoever. I think, I think we have to be, to be honest. And I do think as well, you know, Trent needs minutes in his legs. He yeah. looked he looked very off what he should be. Uh, Robbo will be fine. Virgil and, 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 and Joe, you'd like to think he'll be fine. Although I thought Gomez looked shaky as Jesus yesterday. Uh, well, they helped each other out, didn't they? One, one made a mistake and the other one recovered and that happened a few times. That's true. That's yeah. true. And w- once you're doing that, I'm okay with it. Uh, Alison, we will we'll always be uh, reliable um, for, you know, 99% of the time and, and, and will we'll save us on many occasions. It's really going to be the makeup of the midfield and whether or not Minamino and uh, the, the, the likes of Curtis can come in and, and do a job and help our attack. But the midfield's where it's going to be at, and you'd imagine Fabinho is just going to be a fixture for most of the games. Very odd that he didn't start, I thought, as well. Um, he would be first name less. But Ginny Wijnaldum was the one that I didn't see happening. And I've been very vocal about how I think it's absolutely disgraceful that Liverpool haven't off- offered him whatever contract he wants. I think he's just a marvellous footballer and absolutely essential to Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool and has been from minute one. So the concept of him leaving uh, just makes no sense to me. And the willingness with which some dopes were uh, embracing that idea, in fact, ushering him out the door with a kick in the arse and welcoming the the great Thiago, who they've never seen play for Liverpool, uh, seemed strange to me. I would love to have both players. And so what I want to do is just spend a couple of minutes talking about how how vital you think it is that before this um, transfer window closes, I think it's October the 5th. Yeah. I, could, I think it's then. Some, some um, like that, yeah. how, how important you think it is that we do something. I'm just going to tee this up by uh, a little piece here. This is um, Jürgen talking to Kelly Dalglish and trying to put into context how different it is for us as opposed to... Um, for the likes of Chelsea who are going around spending oligarch money left, right and centre. Um, and I've heard an awful lot of snarky talk about how, um, you know, FSG this, FSG that. And, you know, you and I would be, we'd have a healthy sceptical um, regard, stroke disregard for any owners, uh, especially if they're businessmen. Um, but I think it's misplaced. And I also saw... Was it the garden that was in the cardigan? There's the was it the the telegraph perhaps? Oh god, who was it? Somebody anyway got in a body language expert to analyze Jurgen's talking about the transfers and the lack of transfer activity and to highlight how he seems really angry and frustrated and really, you know, it's this I mean making the story up about nothing. But let's just listen to the actual words the guy says about the topic in general. There's about a minute here and we you and I'll take it on from there. We live in a world at the moment with a lot of uncertainty, obviously. For some clubs it seems to be lesser important um, 
how uncertain the future is. Uh, owned by countries, owned by oligarchs, that's a, that's the truth. So um, we're a different kind of club. It was always the same. So we got to the Champions League final two, year, two years ago. We won the Champions League last year and became Premier League um, this season, if you want, last season. Um, by being the club we are, by leading the way we are leading. So there's nothing to say about it. We cannot change it just overnight and say, so now we want to behave like Chelsea, now we want to behave like them. Now they signed a lot of players. That can be an advantage, of course, for them. But that means they have to to fit together um, pretty quick as well. So it's not all only about bringing quality. You cannot bring in the 11 best players in the world and just hold a week later they play the best football they ever will play. It's about working together on the training ground. That will be probably an advantage for us. We work quite a while with each other, but I know people don't want to hear that. But we did it last year um, pretty much that way. Uh, for our reasons, club reasons, um, we always want to improve. We always want to improve the squad, but there are different ways. So, having listened to the man himself, uh, let me just tee it up for you. I, I hear everything that he's saying and I agree with it. Um, but I also hear a fellow there who's saying, you know, this is how we have to operate and it's been successful for us. So there's a there's a there's a balance to it. He's saying, yeah, but look at what we've achieved. Uh, but this is how we have to operate. So there's also the tinge of regret. He would love to be able to go out and have said, yeah, that Tim O'Werner signing, let's get it done because he wanted it done. The, the player wanted it. He wanted it. And there was a financial reality that came in in the end. Uh, and he's trying to make people understand that this isn't. Uh, like it is for Chelsea, for City and for one or two other clubs around the world as well. Uh, I can't find anything to fault there. And I will also openly admit to a little bit of frustration because I'd love a couple of shiny new players coming in on top of the signing of Costas Samikas. What do you think? Well, just if I go back a little bit further, that's what we were talking about. The people to say, uh, yeah, but Genie, what about his numbers? Um, Please with the greatest respect in the world, fuck off. Um, because Gmail and put us in the um, escort in more European Cup semi-finals than any other Liverpool player that I can think of. Uh, he scored three goals and you can stick numbers up your arse and you can't do things like there's a there's a clip going around that when he kept the ball against Barcelona where he ran backwards twice, ran forwards twice, had five lads around him and came out with the ball. You can't count that. That's what I'm saying about that. And so anyone who will say Genie out, Fucking learn the game. Learn the game. Not every player is a number ten. Um, the, the what he was, Klopp said then. So I just want to get. I just want, just want to reduce my Twitter numbers by saying that. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair when, when uh, oh, no, fucking fucking annoys me all that. I, thought, I said this thing on Twitter last week when some bloke was going on about Genie out, and I said because he had his numbers up, and I said this is the difference between watching the game and counting it. And I've got no problem with the stats, people. You know that people like that sort of thing. That's not my thing. I completely accept that. But you can't say a player's shit because, you know, his he only got three assists last year. It's not his job to get the assists. That's the fullback's job. That's how we set up. And that's really annoys when people use numbers to that degree. So the denigration of someone who's been great for Liverpool. Um, the, the the Klopp thing is absolutely right. I think what he means when he says, you know, we don't do that. There's different ways of getting people in. I think he's talking about from inside the club. That's why Nico's played. And poor Nico got so much abuse because he got done by, by Obama Young, for God's sake. Not me and you, Trev. Obama Yang scored a brilliant goal against Nico. And now Nico's the worst player in the world. No, he's not. And um, in fact, there's a mate my, there's a Welsh mate of mine who sent me a text after the Wells game and said, he has come here to save us from our sins. 
that's how much the Wales fans love Nico Williams, and I'm all about that. That's fine. Um, yeah. it, it, again, it's the FSG in and out thing. I can I can hear both sides to it, and I, I'm the same as you. I'd like to have someone in and think, you know, that's someone really good who can make a great side even better. And I get the whole thing about buying from a position of strength, but I think what Klopp's saying there is it's really interesting. Chelsea are the only club I know, probably City as well, who, look, look what happened to, to Kepa. 70, 75, 80 million quid, something like that. They're going to bin him and they're not going to think twice about binning him because that fee is pence to them. It means that they're happy to take a hit on that amount of money. Liverpool can't do that. We're not financed the same way. And I agree with all the net spend stuff and what have you, but that's how Chelsea are going to be different from us. And what I really liked about it, because I completely agree with them about the game next week, is they can buy the 11 best players in the world, but they they, they can't get ready. Getting ready for the league champions, who who beat them twice last year, is a different matter altogether. It just is. And I always think this when um, people tend to forget that when um, Abramovich came in, he didn't, he had a season with Ranieri. He didn't go straight to Marino and he gave, he gave Ranieri all this money and they didn't win anything. He yeah. certainly didn't win the league. And as much as everyone likes Ranieri, um, he just said straight away, you can just see like a, that struck me as a non football man just saying, well, I've given you all this money. Why haven't we won everything? I don't understand. And then he brought in, you know, Marino who, is a better manager, you've got to say. Um, well, he was in those days. And Liverpool aren't financed that way. And I want players to play in. I'd, I'd love to see Thiago in a Liverpool shirt. I'd, I'd also like to see Gini Ronaldo in a Liverpool shirt as well. And I'd, we, we we have lost some people. I know they should be Adam Lallana. They, they, they should be replaced. And you can say that's Curtis and what have you. But I'd like two or three, two or three more people in. Just because we didn't buy anyone last year. I know we bought Minamino which comes under this year's figures, obviously, but I I can see why we haven't, and it does frustrate me, but I'm less frustrated because Liverpool have just won the league. Yeah, look, there's there's a whole depressing and boring uh, financial reality uh, that w- affects the vast majority of the world, uh, and it also affects Liverpool. Um, there are exceptions to that. There are people of great individual wealth who have money that is safe and that they are only looking for places to spend. They are rare. As Jürgen says, you can be owned by a country now these days. You can be yeah. owned by, by an oligarch these days. That puts you in a different situation completely, and it puts you in a position where... Uh, it's only a matter of who you decide to buy next. And, you know, you look at Chelsea and you know, there's some valid points to be made there. They have bought so many good players. Um, it is interesting and ironic that all their kids will probably get bombed to the side now um, who are, you know, so much part of the story last year. But the point that Jurgen makes is they have to click together. Now, you know, you and I both remember the great joy of watching all the players that came into Liverpool in a short burst of time, especially the Barnes Beards, the Aldridge run, and Kenny rebuilding that team um, that had won the double in 85-86, had gone trophyless in 86-87, and then all of a sudden this new team arrives in the scene. Add Ray Houghton into the mix as well, uh, a couple of other arrivals, and you go, oh, there's a lot of new players here all at one time. But man, that worked. So it yeah. can work. It can work too. And you know, Chelsea have 
Pulisic, who is already looking wonderful. And he's a great, he's he's a great little, player. He is a great he's, player. He's a great player who they've already bought. So like they are, I, I'm genuinely, I'm massively envious of that, uh, watching that happen. And primarily from that idea that you, you refer to, the idea of strengthening from uh, where you're already in a position where you're on top, um, the way that teams used to do. And all it would mean for me is just one or two really quality, immediate first-team starters, and I'd have been a happy bunny. It may still happen, but I think most people should brace themselves for the fact that it probably won't at this stage. And if it does, it's absolutely reliant on another player or two going out. I think that's where we're at, Carl. Carragher said that last night, didn't he? Like it almost in a Did he? Like, yeah, he said something. It was almost, I know something you don't. So he said, I know some people want to leave, which sounds really strange being, you know, when you think, you know, just we've only just lost the European Cup and um, and we've just won the league. But, you know, people do have to leave clubs sometimes. And he said, people Liverpool are going to have to sell to buy. You know, they're going to have to do that. And there's also something else about this as well. And it, it's there's a, there's a global pandemic and no one knows if this season is even going to be finished. So, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's, exactly. very difficult, it's very difficult to say, let's whack out 150 million quid on a big load of lads who are going to replace teams, a, a team that's already won everything there is to win, pretty much. Which, which is why I, I the, the 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 specific truck I'm driving is marked sell to buy, and yeah. it's marked okay. If that's the reality in which we exist, let's do a break even thing, and let's get um, X, Y, and Z guys who are either underperforming or have hit a ceiling, which means they're not going to be regular first team players. Let's yeah. get the money we can get for them. Let's be honest and let's be just cruel about it. That's the likes of Degsy who's gone, the likes of Harry Wilson who's never going to get a game. Yeah. Maybe it even means the kid. Maybe it even means the kid who's been doing so well uh, and saying, okay, Rian, sorry, but you know, you're not going to fit here. Let's get some money for you. It probably even means the likes of an icon, uh, instant icon like Divock. Those guys are like probably not going to play a lot of games. It might even include Shakiri, who doesn't get a game at all. So yeah. when you put all those guys together in a little parcel, if two or three of them go out, there should be enough to get a player or two in who will play. That's all I want. I want guys who are going to feature. I'd love to see Shakiri play more. Um, I have no problem with Divock playing. Um, I, I, you know, I think he might. I think he might struggle a little bit to get a game so it's just about wanting the best for the team and wanting them to do it in whatever way they can and like you say covid reality is just a poxy horrible uh, uh sort of uh paradigm that we all exist in now at the moment and 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 i, I this is what really sticks in my craws to hear people crying so much about it. it's like Dude, look to your left, look to your right. Have you not seen that lad there no longer has a job? Have you not seen that this country is after crippling itself with debt uh, in a in a sort of a vain attempt to prop up an economy? Something is going to happen very soon where those things, those realities need to be addressed. Everybody's got their fingers in their ear and saying, la, la, la. Our people are not doing that. They're saying, let's be sensible. And maybe even, Carl, if they are holding some money in reserve and saying, look, we're going to sell these guys and keep the fucking money. Who are we to argue with uh, the club being run in a in a in a in a sort of a, a common sense um, risk averse way? There's, I'm going to use the word leeway again. I mean, if we were seventh in the league and we were doing this, I would be on. Well, if I could travel to Boston, I would be on my way to Boston to hammer on doors and say, "What the hell are you doing? This is Liverpool. 
Yeah. You get leeway if you win a European Cup and a league championship. Um, and, you know, you've appeared in three European finals. You get a bit of leeway. I don't like FSG. I do, but that's not done against FSG. It's more against the fact that I get very, very nervous when people in suits who have got no affinity with my club start telling me how to support and, you know, and start changing certain things. And um, <laughs> I made mine put up yesterday um, that this gif of, uh, uh, you know, you celebrate a goal at Anfield and then someone puts on song two by Blair in the stadium, which is what happens. And if that was me, I'd be, I'd be celebrating going, oh, oh no, oh no, don't do that. Don't do that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 things like that. Yeah, I don't like yeah. when I do things like that, or someone thinks that's a good idea. No, no, no we don't do that here. Don't do that. That's just that's razzmatazz. We're not about razzmatazz. We're about beating this team. And but you can't have two types of owner at the same time. And the one we've got has just won all those trophies. So even though I don't like them, you've got to give them a bit of leeway. I think. And they, I know that the frustration is the fact that we had the same summer last year. Where we didn't buy then either, um, Minamino aside, and but, but and of course, the, so you know, and the obvious thing to say to that is we ran away with the fucking Premier League, <laughs> yeah, you know, so so like and 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 I, I I wouldn't have as much antipathy. I I wouldn't even find myself saying I don't like them because you know the reality is what most people are what most of those whingers are looking for. I mean, I, I'm doing a little whinge because I would like new players but what most of those people who are really doing the big cry uh, they're just what they're hoping for wishing for is a sort of a daddy warbucks oligarch of our own and i don't want that shit no i don't want that like and, and i swear to god i mean that from the bottom I, of my heart i want, I want accountability that's what i want more exactly than like i i don't i don't want you know china buying liverpool yeah. uh, you know, do you know what i mean which is you know one of those things that was being touted. Uh, that that to me would just rip the soul out of the place and honestly like I, it might sound smug carl but that's really important to me that the yeah. the, the, the vestiges of of and we've noticed that actually under this ownership a sort of a, an effort to get back to doing things right. They make fuck ups, but the great overwhelming movement of the club has been back towards a reconnection and doing things right and saying things the right way and a bit of dignity. I like that. Yeah, it, it is again. My biggest problem with Liverpool from the administration side is the fact I don't listen to fans or not. And I can tell you this week with a work project I've had that I've had emails from the club about something I asked them to do. And normally you wouldn't even get that. The last 10 years, so you wouldn't even get that. It would be sort of, uh, you know, there's no, the fam- famously, there's no phone numbers on the website. It's just get in touch with us, but only about if you want to buy something from us. Yeah. We're not interested in everything, anything else at all. Um, and that, that's a tiny thing. And obviously, I'm just one person, all this, but I just noticed, oh, yeah, they, they replied. Uh, so a lad I know at the club put me in touch with someone else, and she replied to me instantly. And I thought, and, and I, I, I asked the club for a lot, just little things. I, I won't go into them now, but, um, and, that's a nice thing that makes me think of oh, the club want to know me that's nice rather than you're you going to buy the shirt or what and like don't talk to us if you're not going to buy the shirt what's the point of you, what's the yeah. point of you? and yeah. you know and i can't be doing with that at all no i agree with you completely and and and, and, and I'm, I'm just i'm happy to see those little increments of of positivity and, and a little bit of change let's see how it goes i mean i i, I already have my tinfoil hat on about the guy who's replaced um 
um, Peter Moore. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens there, <laughs> to say the least. Let's keep an eye on it and see what we make of it. Carl, we've done it again, mate. It's uh, We've gone north of an hour and we've talked exclusively football. I want to give you a chance to uh, wrap up. This is um, a disgrace, and- Downey. What the I hell am I on this show for? You said less football. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity just to let people know what's coming up in the near future, um, the next Adler Tamberley or whatever's going on that you want to flag up for folks. The next um, show from, uh, from Adler to Amberley is going to be about the Beryl Coronet, which isn't my favourite story. I haven't read it for a bit. So I would like, like the one we did, The Noble Bachelor. Maybe I'll enjoy it a bit more. It's just because I haven't read it for a while. Some green grass in the ball has just uh, gone on. We had, um, I like this, some bloke just got in touch with me and said, I, I want to write about Oscar in the Chinese league. And I think Magic. he's Swedish. And um, okay, I will I will give you the opportunity to do that. I, I, I'll be honest, I edited it a bit because it's, on, it's not his first language. But um, so he got to do that. The next thing, piece I'm going to be writing for some green grass in the ball, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it this week because I'm a bit rushed, is we've talked about it on this show. It's only because I saw a YouTube clip about it. You know that famous... I think it's 74 uh, World Cup where Brazil against Zaire, where the lad from Zaire runs out the wall and kicks the ball out, even though it's Brazil. Yeah, yeah, love that. Love that. I saw, right. I saw a little thing about that, and there's more to that story than meets the eye. So I want to do some research on that. It, what, what it basically boils down to is they were promised loads that Zaire was a dictatorship. They were um, they were promised loads of money from the government and well, the dictator, and loads of dignitaries came over to watch them play the game. Uh, maybe it was 1970, I can't remember. And um, uh, they took loads of money over for the players and they went home with the money, not the players, the dignitaries went over it. So, And they were just really, really fucked off. So there's lots of sorts of slightly racist stuff like, oh, they didn't know the, the rules of the game. They, you know, they, they had a really good game at Scotland before that. They knew the game. The lad who did that was like a proper African, you know, you know, they'd won titles and things. He knew them, the rules of the game. He just got so pissed off with it that they wanted to, you know, they basically just said, okay, we're going to throw this. They lost to Yugoslavia 9-0. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and they, they weren't they weren't a losing 9-0 sides. They just got so fucked off with the whole thing. So he just walked out the line and he wanted to be sent off, I think, in protest. I think that's why he did it. I, I absolutely love this angle. And you, you, it was 74. And, you know, that that's also the year of the rumble in the jungle in Zaire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's Mabutu. So, Mabutu there could be some sideways stuff that you could fill in there. That's, yeah. I, love the, I love the sound of that. That's brilliant. Okay. I don't know if I'll get it done by Wednesday because I really, really want to dig deep into this. Nice one. And anything else apart from um, some green, green grass and a ball and uh, Adler Damberley, anything else? I, I write a weekly column for another website. Yes. Other websites which, are, which, are, which, are also, which also comes out every Wednesday. So the first <laughs> couple of days of the week, I'm pretty busy. I'm writing tonight, incidentally. Yeah, Carl's on Twitter as well. Follow him there. Oh, yeah, the at, at, at the Sensi, yeah. And um, uh, tell you what I did last night. I went to a dark sky spot in uh, Bedfordshire. Oh, sorry, I'm doing this as well. Um, there's a website called 10 Million Hardbacks. Uh, is that what it's called? Sorry, Joe, if it is. It is. It is. It is 10 Million Hardbacks. And she has a series about books that have changed our lives. And I've done 1984, and I've done Rage by Stephen King, and I've done The Crow Road by Ian Banks. And I'm going to be writing about a book called Masquerade by Kit Williams, which came out in 1979. And it was as a children's book primarily. But he he's a genius, basically. He does everything. He's a brilliant painter and, and designer and artist. And um, he created a golden hair made of 18 karat gold worth £6,000, five, £6,000. And he buried it somewhere in England. 
and you could find it by the clues in the book. And it took three years to do it. And last night I went and looked at the planet Mars and the Andromeda galaxy. We drove up there, me and my mate, and we sat next to the very place where it was dug up in Bedfordshire. I see. I've got a great. I'll, I'll send you the photo. Honestly, I'll put it on. I'll put it on Instagram the photo I took of um, uh, St Catherine's Cross in uh, Amstel Park, which is where it is, and um, with Mars in the background. It's one of those when you take and just think, "Ooh, that looks like someone good could have taken it." <laughs> it's one of, those, <laughs> one of those sorts of photos. Ooh, that was me. I'm also going to bring up the um, the IA Main Pod um, Instagram account because I realise we've been a bit slack with that. So. We I'll, have. Let's I'll, get, let's I'll, get I'll back to today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll try. If we can remember the login, I'll try and contribute in that thing as well. Uh, okay, that's lots and lots of copback goodness for you there, folks. Hopefully, you'll, you'll tune into that. A uh, little sideways reference to another good website there, Ten Minute Hardbacks. That's a good site too. So, uh, lots and lots for you to get your teeth into. Between now and when I speak to you next, we will have launched the set, the second season of the great stories myself and neil um we are looking forward to the next episode episode 21 it's uh, a fantastic story called young goodman brown by nathaniel hawthorne and in that story you have all the trev bingos uh the trev bingo things that you've got to take for a short story you've got the occult you've got witchcraft you've got salem you've got puritans you've got absolutely high strangeness and you've got did that happen or did it not it's a wonderful story it's really really engaging the story itself is actually quite um unsettling disturbing quite frightening in and of itself um but then obviously there's all these layers to it as well and i look forward to picking that apart with neil and getting started on the second season of the great stories i want to make a little reference here to anybody who is interested in, in uh, happens to be in the crossover part of our audience um, we are going to change a little bit there. I am going to set up the great stories as I had hoped to do. Um, with 20 in the bank now, I think it is proven itself to be something that's worthwhile. I'd always hoped that it would be, and I couldn't be prouder of the, the 20 that we've done. So I think it deserves a life um and i think it deserves to live on and i think it deserves to have something uh solid about it so i will be setting up um a patreon i will be setting up a sort of a way in which people can donate and help the show actually become a thing long term and there is a small ambition that i have uh, it's actually a big ambition but i'm trying to be modest about actually doing things like this full time and if it takes off uh, then that will be exactly the way the future looks for me. We will be back, uh, myself and Carl, with a guest very soon, uh, probably well before Liverpool's next game, if that calendar is anything to go by. And we will enjoy your company then. We thank you very much uh, for putting up with our little hiatus. And we would encourage you to spread the word about this free show, which will always remain free. Um, amongst your friends, word of mouth is actually the best way to do it. Um, it's amazing the people who come up to me and shops and say are you the lad who does the podcast it's remarkable and i appreciate it very much and i hope if that's happening in ireland it's happening all over the world as well do get the word out there if you could from guy from carl from myself that has been the anfield index podcast and you know the crack until we speak to you again be kind to your fellow reds and stay safe out there
Sports Social Podcast Network.